Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Hello, my name is Amy, and I'm a representative of Fitbit, Inc. Thank you for making time for me today. Tarzan, not that busy. Tarzan fight gorilla this morning. But since then, nothing to do. Well, then maybe you should introduce me to your friend Tarzan after we get done talking. No, Tarzan, not friend. This Tarzan. You talk to Tarzan. I'd love to, but first I want to talk to you. Tarzan, give up. Tarzan skipped pronoun lessons. Big mistake. So, let me tell you about Fitbit. We're a wireless-enabled wearable activity tracker. We were the first in our category, and our algorithms are still the benchmark. Words of woman sound like river water pouring off cliff. Well, thank you. Like screams of crazy bird in night. Then let me explain. Now, we measure activity, exercise, sleep, diet, weight, but your fitness journey is your own. Now, what kind of exercise do you like? Swing from vine, run with wildebeest, swim away from crocodile, then swing more from vine, then maybe run to where lions are, then run back. Lift baby elephant up, down, up, down, then giant python come and wrestle, then swing from... One thing our users find is that small changes really add up. Let's say you and your wildebeest friends do one more lap around whatever, it's going to make a big difference. Exercise not problem. Stress eating problem. Watch Dr. Oz program on this. Recognize own behavior. Got so upset, ate 200 ants. That doesn't sound like a lot of food. As pizza topping is many calories. Well, I do notice you're getting just a little bit of a dad bod. Tarzan, no. Ever since Jane has baby, Tarzan change. Baby not finish coconut, Tarzan eat what left. I really think Fitbit can make a difference. Tarzan think maybe try for two weeks, then get bored. Forget to wear one day, then put hole in tree, then not remember where Tarzan put Fitbit. You're not as dumb as you look. Good. Listen to talk, talk, talk show about Tarzan. Now, man who offer himself many times to Roger Ailes, Colin McEnroe. That may or may not be true. All right, let me just tell you uh, a little bit. First of all, uh, that was very exciting. It was our first intro. As many of you know, Kion Wolf is injured, uh, and uh, we are not able to use her voice talents for intros. So thanks to Lee Newton uh, for jumping in there uh, and helping out with that intro. Uh, All right, so uh, today on our show, well, we had one plan, and we kind of sacrificed it uh, because uh, of so many things happening in the last 48 hours. Uh, We do like on the nose to talk about cultural events, and there is a cultural, cultural item we will be talking about. But we were, in fact, going to talk about the sexual harassment case against Roger Ailes by Gretchen Carlson in the second segment. Somehow or, or other, what's going on in the streets of, of America over the last 48 hours makes that seem somehow or other less important. But we are going to talk about Tarzan. And we actually do think that there may be a through line uh, uh, between some of the issues that come up in this new movie, The Legend of Tarzan, and what's going on out in America. So joining us in studio today, uh, James Hanley, co-founder of Cine Studio at Trinity College, 
Vivian Martin making her maiden appearance here on the on the nose. She's the chair of the Department of Journalism at Central Connecticut State University. Oh, very excited to have her here today. Carolyn Payne is an actress, comedian, and dancer, and she's the founder, director, and choreographer of Kinetic Dance. We barely begin to begun to cover uh, uh, Carolyn's activities. She's also uh, fighting a Tars- Tarzan-like injury today. She was in the wild. She was bitten by a wild animal. Her foot is all swollen up. Uh, I'm sure you'll hear about that. So uh, just to get us started here, if you've ducked into a movie theater seeking refuge from the heat and the madness in America, make sure you pick the right movie. The Legend of Tarzan, directed by David Yates, isn't your mother's Tarzan or your grandmother's. The new Tarzan is set against the atrocity-filled humanitarian disaster that was the Congo Free State of the 19th century, ruled over by Belgium's King Leopold, who also functioned as a private businessman using forced labor to rip away the country's natural resources. His will was often brutally enforced uh, by the force publique, his well-armed colonial military, and by an especially ruthless local military attaché, Leon Rahm, uh, played in this movie by Christoph Waltz, of course, by Christoph Waltz. So, um, Vivian, I'm going to have you get us started. There's there's a Tarzan problem in, here in 2016. Uh, Manola Dargis, the film critic for the New York Times, summed it up this way. Tarzan has always had bad optics. White hero, black land, to state the excessively obvious. Probably the only real way to avoid this negative image would be to let him molder on the shelf and in our cultural memory, except that this wild child raised by apes turned wild man forever caught between civilization and nature is a great mythic character, a rinse, rich dense tangle of narrative, philosophical, and political meanings. That partly explains why he's been such a commercially reliable property ever since Edgar Rice Burroughs cut him loose in 1912, the year Tarzan roared into existence in a pulp magazine that evolved into an empire of books, comics, plays, films, TV shows. So, you know, but for the reasons she says at the beginning of that, Vivian, it's hard to do Tarzan today without that problem, right? There, there's right. sort of a, a, a thing about Tarzan that just doesn't really conform to the way we think about race and life in America and the world. Right. You know, I went into this hoping that perhaps maybe it could be updated and something could be done with it, though I, deep down I knew that, that it probably couldn't. So, um, but th- just the, I don't want to just trivialize it to optics because it's deeper than that, but it's the, you know, the idea of this, you know, the white savior um, um, who has agency and all of these other, you know, attributes uh, for growth. Um, amid the uh, the blackness of Africa, and of course, it's um, in the old Tarzans. It's 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 just broadly Africa. You know, never mind that there are civilizations and every um, that people are lo- living and thriving. Uh, so I. I, I I I thought well you know maybe there there's something there that I'm not seeing that could become that that could be a redemptive story for us but uh, no they've got to let it go uh, it just seems that and that's the problem is that it's it's on the one hand that the Leopold story the the real story that would have been a great movie well maybe it depends on <laughs> in who in who was doing it but on the other hand to try to have it both ways um, you know not wanting to give up the myth of um, Tarzan. And at the same time, you know, sprinkling in um, um, slight facts, um, it, it, it just couldn't be done. And uh, um, it was a struggle. <laughs> <laughs> 
how about how about that, James? I mean, they knew what the problem was. There's no question that they yeah. knew what the problem was. Well, I I agree with Vivian. I mean, I I, I think that it's really a difficult place to go with a comic book character who was sort of part of a very different kind of um, racist (laughs) universe at the time. And I think that one of the most troubling things to me about this is the link between real history and comic book sort of sensibility. Nowadays, I'm constantly reminded when we show films at Sony Studio, I'm constantly reminded of how many people don't have much of a sense of history, real history, about what happens in major things, like, for instance, the exploitation of Africa in the 19th century. And um, there's enough seemingly factual things brought into this film that I could conceive that a person who didn't know very much would really be drawn in and it would be hard to tease out what was factual and what wasn't. And one of the most incredible things really is the the institutional nature of the plunder that took place in Africa, particularly the Congo uh, in, in, in the 19th century, and the people who were involved and how it was uh, papered over and how it was justified. And it was worldwide, uh, not just in Africa. And so it, it, it raises incredibly important things about colonialism, about exploitation. But because it's a modern um, sort of uh, CGI construction as well as having live people in it, it creates this sort of hyper-real universe that is tempting to, you know, to think, well, actually, although this is a comic book hero, actually, maybe he's dealing with some real truths. And there are creepy things in the film to me that, like, for instance, some of the the the, the um, warriors, I suppose you would describe them, guarding the diamonds, seem to me to be 10 shades darker and more threatening and also strangely um, peppered with flour or, or, or with white paint to make them somehow look like some sort of stereotype of fearsome warrior versus the seemingly agrarian African population in the film in the Congo who are lighter skinned and who are sort of just like living in huts and apparently it's not clear what they do, but they're sort of joyfully welcoming the white people who they knew through the missionaries and there's sort of all sorts of troubling troubling images to me that I felt overwhelmed by in the film, really. And, and it really crystallized this whole idea of somehow trying to pretend that this is history in some way, give it some legitimacy. Well, yeah, and I think Carolyn got overwhelmed by other things. But before we get to those other things, you know, I mean, listening to the two of them talk, I, I find myself thinking maybe the best thing to do would have been just to make a regular old Tarzan movie and not even try to see if you can correct for it. I mean, it, it sort of is what it is. It's the story it is. It's the one that's been hanging around for a while. There are always going to be some problems with it. Y- you didn't really get rid of the baggage well enough to make Vivian or James happy anyway. Maybe they should have just made a Tarzan movie and had done with it. Yeah, I was watching it and just kept saying to myself, why? <laughs> like, why is this movie being made? Why are these choices being made? The CGI animals were atrocious there was one in particular there was this ostrich and they do this close-up and it has these like eyelashes it just looked like a an out-of-control disney cartoon and and so the whole movie i was was to me i I mean an hour and 50 minutes of my life i'm not getting back and i i guess i mean 
It was I, longer I, than that, actually. Yes, it was. Oh, more don't. Okay. You just did a bad mood because you have an animal bite. Okay, yeah, I did get stung by a bee, and uh, I'm very allergic and, and am recovering from that. So, But that may have made me slightly more bitter. But I don't think anything would have put me in a mood where I felt like this movie was giving me anything that I haven't seen or haven't seen done better. Um and and I mean even like Tarzan's like awesome body like didn't even seem to matter like I didn't care when he, he like rips off his shirt and just like goes into Tarzan mode, you know by the time he made that like Tarzan cry and it's not even on screen you just hear him off in the distance. <laughs> well, that's one thing about this movie is I said to Jonathan McNichol when I got back from it, if you were worried that they wouldn't do any of the tropes that you like, don't worry, because they're going to do all of them, right? He's going to go, ah, ah, ah. you don't see him doing it, because that would be too troubling. That might be too troubling. I don't want to see Alexander Skarsgård do that. Uh, But he's going to do, they do all those things, right? There isn't, except for quicksand, I think that's like the only thing we kind of didn't get that's that just kind of boilerplate uh, Tarzan stuff. You get to see all that stuff. I I don't know. So, Vivian, I'm going to attempt, clearly it falls to me, <laughs> to, to attempt some kind of defense of this. And and I think maybe one, one thing that I would say is that if you are a certain kind of person attending this, um, maybe you think about things that you haven't ever thought before. I mean, maybe we're kind of a little bit self-selected here or some of you are a little bit self-selected in the sense that you've already thought about imperialism, colonialism, how it kind of clashes with the Tarzan myth. For I will tell you that for me, I went home and I did a lot more reading about this, found a, a, a lot more. I mean, I found out, for example, that this guy that Christoph Waltz plays is a real historical figure. Uh, I found out uh, about this amazing guy. You want to make a great movie. There's this guy, Roger Casement, this Irishman who was sent in to do this report. Of course, he's an Irishman, but um, do, 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 he did this investigation that actually did alert the international community to how bad things were uh, and ultimately uh, led to a very significant change. He'd be a great movie, too, because he got involved in all kinds of other, not necessarily uh, quite as you know easily praised stuff uh, later on. But anyway, uh, I, I just did more reading. I did more thinking. I didn't really know too much about the Belgian you know, I knew it was sort of bad and it led to other bad stuff and everything. So, I mean, maybe there's there's that. It's kind of an on-ramp to thinking about some of this stuff. Well, I went home and did more reading, too. Um, and I would have done it even if I weren't coming on this show. But as you said, we're self-selected. So um, we, you know, went – we would go and do that. But my guess is if you were a real Tarzan fan, um, you wouldn't want – politics or political correctness mixed up with your Tarzan. And I mean, I, and, and of course, I'm being unfair here because I'm just imagining a Tarzan. I, can, I can't really imagine a Tarzan I thought you were saying that you were fan. imagining a Tarzan no. fan. I, mean, I, I, mean, like, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that because, I, you know, I, I don't know if the world was, you know, if there was this, you know, big uh, demand for, for a movie like that. It seems often a lot of these things come out of um, directors' childhoods, writer-directors', writer-directors childhoods, and they're just dying to do a remake of that. Um, but, uh, you know, the market uh, is a little, you know, has a, has a different opinion. I think my um, oh-no-they-didn't moment in the, um, <laughs> in the movie was when Samuel Jackson playing Dr. Williams um, tries to warn the, uh, the, the, uh, the chief about what the um, Belgians are up to. And he's, you know, you, you know your diamonds are very valuable and, um, you know, take my word for it, you know, 
you know, I've seen, you know, this, and it's sort of, he's sort of you know, an allusion to slavery, and um, and it just, it, it just didn't sit right. It didn't feel right. It was part of the whole pseudo-historical um, elements of it, and also because, and we've got to talk about Samuel Jackson. He just why Samuel Jackson? You make so much money, and did you really have to lower yourself to this? Well, I, you read this up in the emails, and James, yeah. I, yeah. I have to say, you know, just in the same way that De Niro, at a certain point, you know, just stopped being interested in making the kinds of movies that got us so excited about Robert right. De Niro. You know, Samuel Jackson has kind of done the same right. thing. I mean, yeah, when was the last true. time you saw a Samuel Jackson performance that reminded you of why you were ever in love with Samuel Jackson right. in the first place? Right. I, I agree. And I, I keep on thinking about him in particular. I think, well, if he's doing this, is this going to make it possible for him to actually, say, put the money into a film about this real guy huh. and, and, and actually make a film that is not commercial, you know, not right predicated on mm-hmm. commerce, that he can actually be the producer and put, say, this is what I want to tell a story about. And I mean, to a certain extent, I think sometimes De Niro has done this. Um, right. Martin Scorsese has done it, of course, as a director. But, you know, it's this idea that, OK, you'll play these schlocky parts and then you'll make lots of money and then you can do something you really love doing. So but alas... Samuel Jackson ever? No, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's the problem. I can't think of anything where he has, and that's a shame, really. Well, there are little things kicking around. There's like some little two-person thing that I saw him do a while ago. It might have been like direct-to-TV or something. It was really good. I don't know. People are saying Sunset Limited, Hateful Eight. Um, th- there are things, but I, I, I well, feel like there's more yeah. hackery. Hate, hateful the, the Eight is problematic off. in yeah. itself, I mean, for, 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 the sim- for similar reasons. I mean, the background to this whole thing really is that Tarzan arose amidst a time of the the whole thing about darkest Africa, you know, the 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 view of black people as being somehow close to the animals and somehow being threatening, fitting in with the racism and slavery and all of the things fitting in. It's like a touchstone for all of those things. And to remake that story and then pretend to bring in historical fact and then so complicate it that Yes, I think some people might go home and do some research, but how many other people are really getting a false dose of what really went on and what it was really about? And, I mean, it's like, for instance, when you have the discussion about slavery. I mean, it's fair to say that the wealth of the United States is based on slavery. That's what started this country, and that's where the money came from. And that's why Bank of America is as big as it is. It's why all of these companies are as big as they are. And there isn't an acknowledgement that this is the basis. And therefore, if you could acknowledge the basis of it as a reality, you could actually get to some sort of conversation about reality. But you make a Tarzan movie with all of these things sort of thrown into a blender. And plus, you have all of this technical stuff of frame dropping and or the, this hyper-reality and, uh, you know, this bizarre thing about, uh, you know, these these people welcoming the... The, the missionaries back and, and hugging them and, you know, being so excited that uh, Jane was having a baby and stuff like that. I mean, the mind reels at the, at the incredible, like, like flood of, of, of nonsense. <laughs> I, I can't. Words fail me. Well, no, they don't. Uh, they, and, they, and they never do. Um, the um, yeah, I mean, look, the, the the worst one of the worst ways to frame this, Carolyn, is I mean, at its absolute worst, the Tarzan myth basically says there are all these black people living in Africa, and they don't really get the animals. Like Tarzan really gets the animals. The black people, they don't get the, they don't even get the animals. Tarzan gets them. 
but I, I did go back and read, do a little bit of reading about a little reading, reading about the scholarship about Edgar Rice Burroughs, and he was kind of a mixed bag. You know, some of those books really do have really bad colonialist, imperialist stereotypes, the kinds of stuff that that James is talking about, and others of them have very well developed black characters who are very much sort of peers and equals uh, to Tarzan and friends of his and people he likes riding around on the backs of elephants, chatting with or something. You know, I, it's 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 more complicated than that. Um, Vivian said that uh, it's always some director or writer trying to reclaim his boyhood. In this case, we know that it is the late producer, uh, Jerry Weintraub, trying to reclaim his uh, his childhood. And we also know that we dodged a blow dart uh, <laughs> with this one. <laughs> a major one. Uh, a major blow dart. You want to tell them what it was? Yeah, apparently he wanted Michael Phelps to play Tarzan. <laughs> and luckily, Michael Phelps was on SNL, and he realized that he... It took being on SNL for him to realize that Michael Phelps was a goon and couldn't carry a movie. Although with this movie, it really wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't... <laughs> like, Michael Phelps probably actually could have done just fine. You could have handled it with an Adobe uh, Photoshop plugin. Y- yeah. I, I mean, honestly, like, the whole movie just looked like bad Photoshop. So <laughs> they could have done something to make... Phelps work in this had his dream been realized and he made that mistake. Um, I I mean, (laughs) the thing with me for this movie, there were certain performances that that were good acting wise. Uh, Unfortunately, Samuel L. Jackson was not one of them. I'm not sure what he was doing this movie, but I liked the actor who played the chief. I I can't remember his Uh, uh, name. Yeah, Yeah, he he I I liked him. I thought he was very, uh, you know, foreboding and commanding and he just looked really cool he looked like a thundercat if you know what that is from the 1980s but he just kind of looked like the like sort of this like superhero super villain kind of um and and there was some interesting some some interesting backstory if we're gonna call anything that this movie did interesting and you know clever but uh and and i thought christopher waltz was really good but he's you know just a good villain i am tired of christopher waltz (laughs) (laughs) mr tarzan i mean you no harm (laughs) i am here to help you i am playing the same role i played in the bond movies and and the tarantino movies as well i can't but at least he's good at doing what he does he is really good but as an actor you'd have to think going home at night you know is there something else you know i mean it's like he's really boxed himself in how is he going to, if he wanted, if he ever wanted to, it's going to be really hard to get out of that. In, in my endorsements, I am going to mention like the one the one of the few movies I can think of where you can see Christoph Waltz not doing that Christoph Waltz thing. If you want to hear just a little bit of the movie and hear, in fact, Christoph Waltz, well, we do have that clip. My King's Army is due in six days. All I've left to do is deliver Tarzan to Chief Mongo. I'm aware of his obsessive desire to kill your husband, but I've yet to discover the cause. What did Tarzan do? Killed his only son. Oh. Hmm. And get ready because that is nothing compared to what he will do to you. Your husband's wildness disturbs me more than I can easily express. Whereas your spirit... Lady Clayton's finished. A normal man can do the impossible to save the woman he loves. My husband is no normal man. All right. That actually did sound pretty bad. Um, 
about Jane All right. or Margot. Margot. Well, Margot. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. Before we do that, <laughs> Carolyn's assignment in between now and then, because uh, she works in entertainment, um, in between now and the next time she appears on the show, is to find out what happened to Ben Chaplin in this movie. Because he's like on the screen for about 20 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> it's like clearly his entire part got cut out of this movie. And it, it made me think back to, you know, famously in the movie Greystoke, the Hugh Hudson movie uh, with Andy McDowell in it. It was her first movie role, and apparently she, she did her line so badly that they, they had Glenn Close go into a sound studio and yeah. reloop every single thing that she said. I don't know what, what Ben Chaplin did to piss everybody off this time, but, I mean, really, he's in the movie for about 30 seconds, and he's gone. He should feel Glad I think what happened that. is that they were doing re-editing and they somehow got the reels mixed up or the files mixed up and there was a scene where he was still in it. They thought they dropped him all out. <laughs> all right. So now we can talk about Jane. Oh, I didn't have a lot to say except that, I mean, she's a feist, you know, a little, she was a little feistier than I remember her as a damsel. Um, I thought that, he, I mean, he didn't bother to change that up too much, but... Um, I uh, but I uh, Carolyn reminded me that she was always a little that Jane always you know could take care of herself I, a little. I mean the character yeah. of Jane she's fairly uh, she's a fairly feisty female yeah. character if, if you're comparing her to right. you know well I, I I like a princess who just right. sits in a tower waiting to be saved. Jane at least is out there. She has been like living in it. That's how she meets Tarzan. Um, and you know they it's not. They didn't go out of their way to make her a feminist character. I mean, she has, like, a couple moments where you see that spunk and, you know, but she spends a lot of the time chained to a bar of the slow-moving river did. barge that he's <laughs> kidnapping her on. <laughs> but I did realize, and this is very, you know, off, but um, Jane, uh, when she was, when Tarzan was going through the uh, trees on a rope, going to catch her and we always know he's going to catch her but for a brief moment i was thinking well what if what if what if jane can't reach out and he can't grab her and i and this is how the movie just to stay awake my mind just kind of started <laughs> thinking wow you know wow it's really it's it's a it, it's work to be a superhero girlfriend and um or, or to be to to you you have to really be able to hold your own and so my mind yeah, you have to go to the off. gym if you're yeah you really have to I, I, did, I didn't realize that before so that was probably the only insight I got there but um uh, I the the actress um I've seen her in a couple of things Margot Robbie yes yeah. you yeah. probably um, ma mainly remember her from Wolf of Wall Street where right she was. exactly and she was the was she the, 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 she was the, the wife. mistress right. or the wife she's the wife I think. was she the wife yeah, okay okay so that was um about but so so I guess she's touted now of course as a fresh face but uh, to, we'll get back to that yeah. but to go back to the you know being fit and the yeah. gym thing <laughs> this was one of my concerns Tarzan is supposedly out of the jungle now for ten years right. how is he keeping up that body I wonder in that his too. little lordly manner it in... was a plug in I told <laughs> you I wondered that. <laughs> Um. <laughs> like I could, that body would make sense if he had been swinging from vines yeah. and doing stuff, but he'd been living the life of a English lord. With you might be overthinking it a little bit. Well, I had to think about something during that movie. Right. That's what I was saying. That you was know, like me if, and the yeah. If 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 he had dropped her. That would have had my attention. Right. Like I would have started paying attention to the movie. Right, I know. It was one of those moments. One thing that the movie is is notably humorless. Even yes. Samuel Jackson, who sometimes <laughs> tries to do that little sidekicky stuff, it just uh, doesn't no. really. Anyway, we have to take a quick break. We'll come back with uh, no more about Tarzan. I think we've said everything that yes. we need to say.
And we're back. Uh, we're back with the news. Uh, and uh, let me remind you who's here. Uh, James Hanley from uh, Cine Studio at Trinity College. Vivian Martin, chair of the Department of Journalism at Central Connecticut State University. This is her first appearance on the news. We hope it will not be her last. Uh, we don't want it to be anyway. So uh, Carolyn Payne is actress, comedian, dancer. I could go on all day. Um, and so here's the thing. We were going to talk about, because there was something kind of amusing about it, uh, and also something very serious about it as well, about the sexual harassment claim filed by Gretchen Carlson against Roger Ailes. And this morning, as, you know, just sort of things piled up from this week, it was Baton Rouge, Baton Rouge Minneapolis, and Dallas. The whole world is, uh, the whole country is conver- convulsed by this in, in a very uh, understandable way. It seemed like maybe that wasn't a news story that had the same heft to it that it had two or three days ago. And, you know, I mean, obviously, maybe you're even feeling overwhelmed and deluged with reports and analysis from uh, from this string of shootings. Um, and and I, I'm inclined to talk about them as one total thing. Uh, I know that there's sort of a tendency to break out Dallas as a different thing, but I just feel like the, the story is the story of this week and, and of all these shootings. And so I just thought with our panel, you know, we don't have a lot of time, uh, not enough time to give this the kind of depth it deserves. On the other hand, it's just interesting to hear what people uh, are thinking about this or sort of how, how you're going at this. Uh, I know uh, from some of the panelists what they want to talk about. James, I, I don't know. What, what's your point of entry to this story now? How are you processing it? Well, I thought it was interesting that we sort of agreed that we would that this thing about Fox News and Roger Ailes was like fading away and it didn't have any significance compared to you know what is happening in reality and I think that that was the thing that really struck me. I thought about, you know, everything about Fox News, everything about the whole sort of setup there is like a construct. It's like a a, a play that's playing out that you sort of know what's going on and it's no surprise that there would be harassment uh, of the of, of Gretchen Carlson going on. And and then um, suddenly watching, I mean, I quite inadvertently, I didn't know what was going on. I quite inadvertently saw the um, Facebook live uh, uh, video of the girlfriend of um, Philandro uh, Castile. And I just, that transfixed me. I just thought, you know, this reality of the calm of this woman next to her boyfriend dying I just I, I I just it just grabbed me so instantly and I thought you know that this is something we have a technology now where it was possible for her to have the presence of mind to click on a camera and broadcast it live and actually have so many people experience it and see exactly what went on in the most horrible visceral way and all of these things that have come together in the last few days, um, it's just made me suddenly think differently about um, it, 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 it's this it, it, I guess it, it, it links with our discussion about Tarzan, about the real world versus the fantasies that surround us. Yeah, I, I, you know, Vivian, for those of us who practice and or teach journalism, and for me, I mean, I've also even taught kind of McLuhan theory uh, at, at Trinity. I do feel as though what James is saying is, saying is absolutely true, that one of the one of the way, reasons we're having the kinds of conversations that we're having is because there really is this very significant, significant technological change. Right. People walk around with movie cameras, in, right. in tiny little movie cameras in their pockets. And that was sort of true 10 years ago. Now people really know how to use them. And in that video that he's talking about, the Castile video, you realize that this woman probably – 
even maybe imagined that someday would come. You almost get that sense that she's prepared, that she knows what she's supposed to do, that it may be a matter of her own self-preservation to do it right because, in fact, she and her daughter are still in this car uh, and and she has no idea whether she's going to survive any better than her boyfriend did. That that really we've kind of come to a really different moment where these things are just absolutely inseparable from our understanding of reality. Exactly. And she was streaming it, which is even more. I mean, that's a whole other level than just taking a video and then sending it out you know, later. She was streaming it so and, and had the presence of mind to do that. And that was, um, it was really surprising, such a long way from you know, the Rodney King video um, of right. what, how long ago was that? 20? Yeah, 20, well, 20, yeah. 24? We, we, it's more, 23, yeah. 23, 24 years ago? Yeah. So, yeah, so that that um, hit me. But the other thing that hit me, uh, well, a few things did, but um, the president is in Poland this morning, and he's having to do a press conference about the shootings in Dallas. And, I mean, the man's getting paid for it and all that, so, I mean, I'm not feeling sorry for him, but I'm, I'm thinking about, wow, what does that say about our country and, how, you know, how we look out there when – He's on completely different business, and he's got to stop to to talk about once again. And um, he had just done it about, about uh, Minnesota, and so now he's talking about it again. And it just um, it just really drives home the the, the, the moment we're in. Um, I uh, look. I've been looking at it from a couple of different ways. Um, I had mentioned that um, earlier. I I, I was um, I had been coding. Um, the New York Times did a story. Um, it was an interview with Judith Butler, the philosopher, and she was talking about Black Lives Matter. And um, there were about 440 comments on the article. And I was coding them for some research that I'm doing about sort of um, racial discourse. And what was interesting is that there were so many people posting who were um, still um, discounting the idea that Black Lives Matter is an appropriate term. You know, they were all lives matter. And of course, then you would get the people who would, um, you know, some were saying, you know, that they could tell they felt threatened by it. They felt excluded. And others would come in with, um, you know, um, black lives matters leaves out humans and animals. <laughs> so so it, it got messy. Yeah. Um, there's, um, a, there's a guy who comments. I mean, I run into this a lot yeah. with comments on my column. And there's a guy who comments on my column. His name is John McComas. I, I think I can say his name because he's commenting all the time with his name. And, and he brought this up, you know, I don't know, six months ago, four months ago. Uh, when he said, well, shouldn't white lives matter? Right. And I said, well, I wrote back to him. I said, well, no, you understand what they're saying is right. they want black lives to matter as much as white right. matter. Right. The, the default uh, the default in America, the default right. setting is that white right. lives matter. Maybe black lives don't matter right. as much. They'd like that on a par. Right. And he, can, he said, I think he said at the time, I hope I'm not misquoting him. Oh, I never, I didn't get that. It's not, it's not how I hear it. Huh. Mm. And well, you know, I used to think maybe Black Lives Matter too, or Black Lives Matter also might make a difference. But for the people who just don't get it, it wouldn't. So, um, but but this morning, I'm wondering if it'll be interesting now to see the discourse around this because of what happened in um, what happened in Dallas. Um, certainly, there have been people who've always said Blue Lives Matter, mm-hmm. and of course, um, Black Lives ne- Matter never excluded Blue Lives Matter. But mm-hmm. now, um, after you know, after this, the, the, the sniper, you know, deliberately targets white officers or, or, or is alleged to have um, um, targeted, uh, targeted them. Um, you know, I, 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 I kind of sit back and say, okay, 
this this discourse has gotten the, the rhetoric is even more complicated now, and it's going to be interesting to watch now. Um, you know how you know the interplay between and and of course the Black Lives Matter people were were you know obviously this is not what they wanted. They had been working with Dallas right. for a peaceful this is a disaster. Yeah, this is a disaster, and so what it does to this whole conversation is is. Um, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I, I will say that just uh, as proof that it's a disaster, I had Fox News on I, just because I, for a while I thought still we might be talking about Gretchen Carlson. Uh, I should know a little bit more about what Fox News is like on a typical day these days. And and they were saying exactly the thing that you worry that they're saying. They there was, It was a program called Outnumbered. Several of the panelists had said, well, Black Lives Matter matters is a violent movement. It's a movement that advocates violence. This just uh, goes to show uh, that they're getting what they want. So and that's obviously not the case. Um, but that's exactly how they did choose to interpret it. So, Carolyn, I mean, another thing, and James is kind of alluding to it, too. Like, I don't know, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, I was very caught up in the story of Hillary Clinton's emails, you know, and then it turned into Roger Ailes and Gretchen Carlson, and then it turned into, and, and even at the time of Tuesday, I was talking to Alexander Eisenstadt um, from Politico, and, and James Comey had just come out with his report on the emails, and I said, you know, what Donald Trump would do if he were a conventional candidate is hammer away at this for days and days and never let it go away. You know, he has the attention span of a gnat. It's probably not going to happen. Of course, that night he was talking about Saddam Hussein was really good at controlling terrorism or something. And so (laughs) now you've got a whole different story. But, I mean, I feel as though we are living in this time where being able to collect your mind and focus it on any one thing is nearly impossible. I mean, the reason we're not talking about the thing that we thought we were going to talk about today is we're really living in this time where one thing displaces another. And I know you said you're getting a lot of your news from social media this uh, these days, where I would assume that phenomenon is accelerated. Yeah. I, I mean, every day it's you're just inundated with new things. You wake up and you're like, what fresh hell is this? Because you can't... They, it, it, by the time you're processing information from something that happened and dealing with your emotions and your response, something that seems even worse and, and is even worse has happened. And it's just, it's so much to keep up with. I, and, and as somebody who I really, I mean, a lot of, in, in the past six years, I can honestly say that most major events that have happened, I have learned of through social media, which is such a weird way to hear about something that, whether it be good news or a tragedy, to see it on a Facebook news feed seems such a weird, even though it's called your news feed, um, you know, and, and there, it's just, and then seeing all the opinions of everything kind of well, it has, seems like an environment where, yeah, where people's ability to differentiate between the kind of crap that they usually are dealing with on social media and something really important begins to erode. And so you sent us this thing. I can't summon the name of the actress to mind. Misha she's, Barton yeah, she's uh, posted OC. yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. Uh, it was a picture of her on a yacht in a bikini drinking rosé. And next to the picture, but with downcast eyes, her eyes right. were downcast. Right, she. I guess she, she did look. A, yeah. yeah. Oh, she was so sad on her yacht with her rosé. But she really wanted everyone to know that you know hashtag Black Lives Matter. And she, you know, went through this whole. She had like a whole paragraph she wrote, and people were like, "What are you doing?" This. I mean, it just. It, it was. And but I feel like we're all kind of Misha Barton in that misstep in some way, because it's hard when things like this are happening. You you're posting, you know, this is like a big vacation week. Your people are away and they're posting a picture 
But yet at the same time, they feel the need. Like you feel if you don't comment on your personal social media, I, I joke that right. you almost like need a publicist to be handling. What kind of statement should I make on this? Because you're just not sure. And, and the news is changing. I mean, you're getting more information. More things are piling mm-hmm. up. And it is so hard to find a way because we all have a uh, very like visceral response to things like this. But to put something down that's going to be there forever, even if you delete it, I mean, it's so hard to come up it's with a response. It's going to be there forever anyway. Exactly. Right. But so. I, think, yeah, I think it's also an argument for, I mean, we are going to have to shift our consciousness a little bit too. Yeah. You know, we're going to have to, we, we have to get better at that kind of differentiation because we are drinking from a fire hose all the time now. Right. Um, exactly. The, the, the name of the game is immediacy. And it used to be that immediacy meant the news at 630 uh, in the evening, and that would be a digest of something that happened probably at least 24 hours ago, um, and then it got closer and closer, and so we're dealing with absolute immediacy. I mean, just imagine right now, I mean, it, there's a lot of people who would quite sensibly think that, well, if you're black and you're, uh, especially if you're licensed to carry a gun, you should probably have a live stream ready in your car. Mm-hmm. Um, cars are already produced. The, the, there are high-end cars now that have cameras that are all around them, and the software, the software in the car, is capable of knitting those images together so that there's an overall view around the car. Well, it's not a, hard to see that that's going to go inside the car, right. and that'll be something standard. There's going to be the possibility, for instance, of cell phones that are watching. You notice as soon as things started happening in Dallas, there were cell phones everywhere taking pictures. Those images are going to get knitted together. So the immediacy is going to be so real that you will be on social media as all these things are happening and having to effectively uh, have some sort of reaction to the state of the world as a result of that Absolutely. right then. And Facebook Live is so relatively new. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. think just within the couple past couple months. So yeah. for it it to be used in this way so early on, it's changed. It's, the, it's, it's, it's a, changed everything. It's changed mm-hmm. the name of the game completely. I think. I you know it's very easy sometimes to think that some t- technology comes along and somehow it's changed everything. You know that it's somehow made made you see something you didn't see before. But this has changed the game in terms of immediacy. It's a, you cannot, uh, you, you, you know, that the, this is happening now. You're hearing this person describing their loved one dying next to them because of a, uh, they've been shot and you've got a child present there who's, who's I mean, it's like, it, it, I can't think of anything that I've experienced like that ever before. And, and Vivian, we have to wrap up here, but I'll, I want you to have the last word. I mean, it does seem, first of all, that, yes, our privacy has been eroded to this insane degree and our response to it almost has to be to erode it even more more, you know, in the ways that James is talking about, that ultimately in some cases we're better off with cameras in our car recording things that might happen to us. We know in Baton Rouge that they've tried to harness this thing. One of the reasons that stuff's on video is because there was this kind of this video militia, basically, that was listening to police scanners and just going to the scene of anything that sounded like it might go in that direction. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I agree that we're, I mean, it, it does make sense for people to think about having that in their car. But we still have to, we need better thinking. We need, we need other things. Today, right before I came, I heard, I think it was Ashley Burley, is she on CNN saying, startling news about the shooter. And she comes back and she says, it's, you know, it's like something you wouldn't think. You know, he's, he was in Afghanistan. He served there. He's a vet. None of that startles me. Um, and, you know, it only startles you unless you have sort of 
um, you know, stereotypes about, you know, um, a black person who has a gun. Um, but we, we we have too much of that. So it's sort of not fair to say we need better thinking and then <laughs> mention Ashley Banfield. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> so we have to take a break. We'll come back with their endorsements. Okay. It falls to me uh, to tell you who did what today uh, on the board today, running things in a stellar style, is Betsy Kaplan, our senior producer. Uh, Jonathan McNichol uh, produces The News every week if he's around. Uh, and in the intro today, of course, was Greg Hill, and this time the fabulous Lee Newton. Uh, our intern is Leah Myers. The part of Bill Curry was played by Johnny, Johnny Weissmuller. Uh, we're on Twitter at WNPR Colin. That's where Greg Hill, our tweet master, is tweeting. We're on the Facebooks as well. There's a Colin McEnroe show page. We'd love you to join us there. And then anything you missed today um, will be at WNPR.org. If you click on the drop-down menu for the column, you can find the Colin McEnroe show. All of our shows are there. The audio is there. There's photos. There's supporting materials, etc. cetera. Uh, it's time to endorse things, to recommend things. Uh, James Hanley, what are you going to recommend? A um, couple of things. There's a great event in Willimantic on Saturday uh, between 5 and 8, something called Fair, which is like a great uh, outdoor food and uh, farm market. It's everything combined. It's really been uh, developing, and uh, I'm a great fan of downtown Willimantic. It's a great place to go if you're west of the river. It's really worth the trip to go out there, and uh, the, the food is good, and there's great f farm products and fresh food, all kinds of things. And the other thing is on Sunday at 2.30 at Sydney Studio, we're doing exhibition on screen, Painting the Modern Garden, Monet to Matisse, which is really an amazing production uh, in ultra-high definition at uh, 2.30 on Sunday. I'm also planning to toddle over to Trinity Sydney Studio in the next few days to see a bigger splash uh, which you've got playing there. Oh, we have yes. a lot of we have a lot of Tilda Swinton fans who are nose panelists. Oh. I've discovered over time. <laughs> uh, Vivian Martin, what would you like to endorse? I like to endorse Playhouse uh, the par on Park uh, is doing uh, Chorus Line, and I can see Chorus Line now. That's a remake I can see anywhere. I I, I love Chorus Line because I I think it has a lot of. You know, uh, it, it talks a lot about life in, in terms of, God, I hope I get it. I hope I get it. So for me, um, it just it just resonates. So I'm um, and I like the, the way they use their stage. And so I would recommend that. I've seen the same production. Uh, I find myself thinking about Carolyn Payne the entire time. I was going to uh, say, Chorus Line <laughs> stresses me out. I, I, just, I, I just knew that. I knew that without even having to ask that <laughs> Carolyn would have to be treated for PTSD right. while watching this as a dancer encountering rejection it just sort of there's even actually there's an actress in this particular production who looks a little bit like you oh um, you're like the third person to tell me that okay so yeah so, uh, I'm not, so there's a bizarro I'm not carolyn <laughs> all right your um, turn. all right so uh, i know several nose panelists have endorsed the farmer's market um specifically i am endorsing the west end farmer's market i love it uh it's tuesdays 4 yes, p.m it's uh it's in my neighborhood it's great and to go along with that um, I'm endorsing there's a cookbook called The Forest Feast, and it's written by a woman who lived a you know, high life in New York and then decided she was going to become a, um, like a chef, and she uses all – the whole book is using things that you can buy at a farmer's market, 
Um, and it, they're just amazing recipes. It's great for summer. My summer goal is to live out of that cookbook. Um, so I highly endorse that. And also um, the show Another Period on Comedy Central is a great show. It features amazing comedians. And, you know, in times like this when you just kind of, like, need to sit back and laugh and watch something really fun, I recommend streaming the first season. Um, I think the second season is, is on now. Um, it's on Amazon Prime, too, and it's great. It's just really funny, really well done. Um, I've got a few things to, re- to endorse. Uh, I'm trying to make them as many of them as Tarzan-themed as I possibly can. Oh so uh, if, you're, if you see Tarzan and you still would like to see men not wearing shirts, um, <laughs> you like lots more men not wearing shirts, you could watch the TNT adaptation of Animal Kingdom. It features Ellen Barkin and then a whole bunch of guys with no shirts. Um, and it's, it's not bad. I've actually watched four episodes of it, so I'm, I'm out of the range of being able to complain. You had me at shirtless I, I, yeah, men. So. I can't really complain that it's bad if I've watched four episodes. But you really should, and James will, I think, agree with me, watch the Australian movie. It's, built, it's, it's based on, Ellen Barkin's great, but Jackie Weaver is so yeah. weird and menacing <laughs> and inappropriately erotic, you know, and, and, and Ellen's trying to pull this off, and she does a good job, but Jackie Weaver is, so uh, you watch that movie first, and then if you need even more shirtless men, then you can, you can watch the TV series. Um, also, um, movies in which the Tarzan actors play against type. Well, I would recommend Carnage. As long as you don't mind watching uh, the, a movie directed by Roman Polanski, which some people have some problems with, uh, and which, which you can see Christoph Waltz not being that Christoph Waltz guy. He's like a little bit much more sort of up, you know, Upper West Side, uh, affluent, uh, semi-reasonable guy. Um, and it's, it's, a very, it's based on a play called God of Carnage, and it's a very interesting little set piece. Um, and then Alexander Skarsgård. This is not a perfect movie, but what Maisie knew, which is based on a, a William James piece, uh, you can see Alexander Skarsgård not shirtless and not biting people or wrestling animals or doing any of those Alexander Skarsgård things. And if I've got one minute left, I will just quickly mention something that has nothing to do with any of that. I am halfway through this. You're going to be hearing a lot about this on the show anyway. I'm halfway through the audible version of this book, Underground Airlines. You may have heard about it. It's by Ben Winters. He's been on this show in the past to talk about his last detective books. This is an alternative history uh, novel that is set in contemporary America, but the World War, I mean, excuse me, the American Civil War has gone differently. So there are still four states that have slavery. And this is really, I just am blown away by the first half of this book anyway. And I'm actually blown away by the audible narration of it by a guy named William Demerit, I think his name is. Anyway, thank you so much, Vivian Martin, Carolyn Payne, James Hanley. Thanks to everybody who helped out. Rejoin us on Monday for the Scramble. On the radio, on the radio.